WHYY and BillyPenn.com, it is hitting season, unless you are wearing a Phillies jersey. I'm your host, John Stolnes, from the Good Fight and BillyPenn.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolnes. Coming up, I'm going to recap the first two games of this Phillies series against the New York Mets, and it has been a loser of a series for a loser of a baseball team. Let's just, let's, I'm going to cut through the noise. The Phillies are playing like a bunch of losers right now, and it is really tough to watch them play. No fight against the New York Mets. The offense filled with stars, littered with high-priced guys who are supposed to hit the cover off the ball, are flailing and fumbling around at the plate, swinging at everything coming their way. No plate discipline whatsoever, and it is a brutal thing to watch right now. We also, on Wednesday night, got to see another lackluster Aranola start. Not as bad as some previous starts. Also, not terribly what you're lo- not really what you're looking for from your number one A, number two starter, whatever it is he has to be. And mercifully, the month of May is over. A very disappointing month of May for the Phillies, as they are still in the you know playoff hunt and will be for a long time. But now five games under 500 at 25 and 30 here following the first two games of the series against the Mets. And so we're going to talk about this baseball team, and I'm going to be joined in just a couple of minutes by a fantastic podcast producer and host, Grant Hill from WHYY's outstanding podcast, Serum. We're going to talk about that coming up in just a few minutes as well. Frankly, if you're going to listen to something, um, listen to this podcast. And then you could probably just disengage from from Philly's commentary for a little while and check out Serum. So make sure you do that. Uh, But we're going to talk about the Phils here to start off the podcast. And... I thought it was interesting that Ken Rosenthal, like the name that he had for the Phillies and these other National League or Major League teams that are that were in the playoffs last year but are struggling mightily here in 2023, one of Ken Rosenthal's sorry seven. That's what the Phillies are, and he is not at all wrong. The Phillies dropped the first two games of this three-game series against the Mets, score one run in the process. They lost two to nothing on Tuesday night, and then 4-1 to on Wednesday night. They are stuck in neutral. This team is just stuck in neutral. They look lifeless. They look feckless. And there is not going to be a managerial change to shake everyone up this time around. Seeing a lot of that firing Rob Thompson nonsense on some of the sports radio station Twitter poll things. Listen, there's lots of different polls you can ask. There's lots of different angles on this that you can take. There's no chance Rob Thompson is getting fired, nor should they. Guy took him to the... I mean, we thought the Doug Peterson firing was kind of a quick hook. Can you imagine firing a World Series manager two months into a disappointing season? What a what an idiotic thing to even, to even comprehend. Or to conceive, I guess is the better word. What what a, what a just a, what a dumb thing to think. I'm sorry. I, I don't want to offend those of you listening who think firing Rob Thompson might be the answer here. It's not. Okay, that is not going to jumpstart this team. You can't fire the manager every t- every time a team goes into a a two month slump. But we are two months into the season, and we are still waiting for this team to stop sleepwalking. We are waiting for this team to wake up. But they remain listless and sleepy eyed. On Tuesday night against the Mets, the Phillies were shut out for the fifth time already this season. And in that game against against Kodai Senga, who's a good pitcher, 
They didn't even have a runner reach second base. It was the first time in seven years that the Phillies played a game in which a runner didn't get past first base. That's pathetic. Now, I know Bryce Harper wasn't in the lineup, but we're going to talk about that more in just a second. But you still have good players in that lineup to be able to get one of them to second base. I mean, come on. And then on Wednesday, it was it was a clinic in impatience and futility with runners in scoring position. After getting a quick one nothing lead thanks to an Edmundo Soso Sosa home run, Aaron Nola in the bottom of the third inning gave that gave that lead right away, wasted no time giving up a two-run home run to Mark Canna to put the Phillies down two to one. And then Canna, an inning later, hit a two-run, two-out single with two strikes. Does that sound familiar? Two strike, two out, base hits given up by Aaron Nola in crushing situations to put the Phillies in a four to one hole. And with the way this offense has been playing this year, but in particular in the month of May, that was an insurmountable lead apparently because the Phillies did get the tying run to the plate a few times in the sixth, seventh, and ninth innings. Schwarber worked the only walk the Phillies had all night in the sixth inning with two outs in the sixth. And that brought the tying run to the plate in JT Rail Muto. But then he looked at a hanging curveball for strike one and then went out of the strike zone for two pitches and grounded out to third. And as Corey Seidman noted in the uh, the, the game write-up for NBC Sports Philadelphia, uh, Rail Muto has been in a huge slump. He had hit 386 um, at one point uh, at the end of April and early May, but uh, he is now three for his last 37 with 11 strikeouts, one extra base hit, and no RBI. I it These guys with these streaks drive me bananas. Kyle Schwarber's the same way. It, ju- it just drives me bananas. And Reese Hoskins, when he was healthy, would do this. The... I, I'm not, I don't expect Phillies hitters to hit all the time, every time. We understand that players go through some slumps here and there. But the degree that this team is slumping, and, and frankly, the hot streaks are lasting far less than the cold streaks are lasting, for the most part, with this team. Three for his last 37 with 11 strikeouts. How does that happen? Where are you, Kevin Long, with this team right now? Where are you? The Phillies had two out, uh, two on with two outs in the seventh inning, and Trey Turner came to the plate as the tying run. Surely, the marquee free agent acquisition of the offseason would come through in this spot, right? That's what you signed him for. But he grounded out to third. As Corey noted, he has hit 193 in his last 38 games with a 231 on base percentage and a 348 slugging percentage. Guys, that is Steve Jelt's territory. And then the Phillies had one more chance to try and tie it in the ninth inning against old pal David Robertson with Brandon Marsh singled. Cody Clemens was hit by a pitch with one out and the Phillies got the tying run to the plate for the third time in four innings. But Edmundo Sosa struck out And then Bryson Stott was uh, retired to end the game. And the Phillies lost yet again. Now 25-30 and on the season. 
In the month of May, they went 10 and 16. And this team has been an abysmal road team this year. They are 11 and 20, nine games under 500 on the road. They have horrible at bats. They don't draw walks. And when they do get opportunities with runners in scoring position, they choke. This is the bizarro 2022 playoff Phillies. It's almost like I was watching, I'm watching two different teams. It's just, it's just bonkers. What's going on with this baseball team? I don't understand it. I mean, we talk about the, you talk about how they're expanding the strike zone. I mean, I know this is not the the most the most disciplined bunch in the world. This is not the 93 Phillies where you had like four guys with over 100 walks. That's not what this team is going to be. But this might be the most undisciplined bunch of good veteran hitters I've ever seen. The Phillies coming into the game on Wednesday had the highest swinging strike percentage at 12.3% of any Phillies team since they started tracking this in 2002. So this Phillies team, the 2023 Phillies offense, has more swinging strikes than any Phillies offense since they started tracking that in 2002. They are swinging at just shy of 35% of all pitches they see out of the strike zone. Again, that is the highest of any Phillies team since 2002. It is the second most in baseball behind only the Chicago White Sox this year. And the White Sox, by the way, are awful. So part of the problem is they're chasing balls out of the strike zone, which prevents them from drawing walks, which has also hurt them in the ter- in, in the home run department. As Corey noted from his story, the Phillies have hit 56 home runs this season. 34 of them have been solo shots. 34 of their 56 home runs have come with no one on base. And they still, still have one three-run home run this year. Way back on April 10th by Alec Bohm. And just one grand slam, the Kyle Schwarber slam, back on May 20th, a couple weeks ago. And let's talk about Kyle Schwarber a little bit here. We are fully now two months into the season. Kyle Schwarber has played 55 games, and the man has 31 hits. Among 164 qualified Major League players this year, only two players have fewer hits this season. Joey Weimer and Tristan Casas. Have you heard of either of those guys? Probably not. You have heard of Kyle Schwarber. How do you go an entire two months with 31 hits for the season. 54 games and 31 hits for the season for Kyle Schwarber. That shouldn't be possible for a good player. It shouldn't be possible for a player like Kyle Schwarber. He's hitting 163 on the season. And yes, he he hit he'll hit the solo home run. He did hit the grand slam, but he'll he's mostly most of his production has come from the occasional solo home run. That's what we've gotten from Kyle Schwarber. And I mentioned the Trey Turner statistics just a minute ago. But he, even even the other guys, Nick Castellanos, he's been fine, but he hasn't been a dominant force at the plate. JT Realmuto has been incredibly streaky. The, these are the guys you were relying on. And the daycare cooled off, as, we, as we've as we talked about. Looking in the month of May, 
only two Phillies players have been above average offensively. Bryce Harper with a 139 weighted runs created and Cody Clements. Cody Clements with a 128 weighted runs created. Those are the two Phillies who have been above average offensively in the month of May. Bryce Harper and Cody Clements. The rest, and remember, 100 is considered a league average weighted runs created. It's a Fangraphs statistic. It's very good. JT Rail Muto at 94. And again, a lot of that was built up at the beginning of the month when he was red hot. He's been brutal the last couple weeks. Nick Castellanos at 94. As great as we think Nick Castellanos is, is playing, he's been pretty quiet here in the month of May. Kyle Schwarber with a weighted runs created of 85. Alec Bohm at 83, Bryson Stott at 81, Trey Turner at 73, Brandon Marsh at 56, and Edmundo Sosa at 32. That number went up a little bit with his home run on Wednesday. It's just, it's just hard to, it's hard to stomach watching this team. And I did see a, a Twitter poll today. I think the 94WI Midday Show 94WIP Midday Show tweeted this out. Who do you blame most for the Phillies' bad start, the players, Dombrowski or Thompson? I mean, it's not even close. At the time I, I looked at it, it was like 86% players. I think there were 300 votes. I'm sure more people have voted on that. My guess is it's along those same lines. 85% players, like, and then divvy up the last 15% between Dombrowski and Thompson. I don't think you can, I mean, I, I don't, I think it's probably fair to divvy up the rest of the blame between Dombrowski and Thompson, but this is on the players. This is on these players who think that they're going to flip a switch or something. I mean, I'm reading the quotes after the game, and I hear Turner, Trey Turner saying, we just got to find our, and I credit Trey Turner for being the guy who continually goes and talks to the press. He says, we just got to find our stride. We know it's there. We know it's going to come, but we want the, we want to get this thing started and play better. It's more frustration than anything. We've got a lot of talented guys in the clubhouse who can play better, and we will. Uh, he also said, everyone's frustrated. It's a matter of believing in ourselves, what we're capable of, and playing better, getting the ball rolling. It's kind of what comes first, having fun, playing better, or both. It's... When you start to win, you we saw this last year with the Phillies, with the big loser energy, right? When they started winning, that went away. When they, they started playing better, you start having more fun. You start doing the 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 dances, you start doing the handshakes, you you start doing more of the celebrations. That's how you have fun in baseball. In Major League Baseball, you have fun by winning. Winning comes first. And this team. With the And right now we're talking about the offense because that's been the biggest problem here in this Mets series. The Phillies pitching has been okay. Again, Aaron Nola is pitching more like a number four starter right now. Like that's the kind of a line that you would expect from, from, from a number four starter. And Aaron Nola, I'll give you, he went six innings in this game. Four hits allowed, four earned runs, three walks, five strikeouts. It's a meh start. It's meh. It's okay. It's number three, low end number three, number four stuff. That's Kyle Gibson stuff. Last year, Kyle Gibson, not this year, Kyle Gibson. It, it's just, it's, it's, it's okay. You, you know, maybe once in a while you can win with that, but the Phillies are five and seven and Aaron Nola starts this year. That's not what you're expecting. This team needs Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola to be those guys at the top of the rotation or to have somebody like Ranger Suarez step in. And one of the good things we saw from these first two games is Ranger Suarez pitched like the guy we saw in the second half and in the postseason last year. Looked much sharper. Apparently, looks like he just needed to get a few games under his belt and seems now to kind of be in a better place. 
So that was good to see. And the bullpen has pitched well here against a Mets offense that has also struggled this year. The Phillies are not the only offense to struggle. The Mets offense has struggled. The Padres offense has struggled. The Cardinals offense has struggled. You know, these other playoff teams last year, their offenses are having a hard time. The Phillies are not alone. That's why all of those teams I just mentioned were part of Ken Rosenthal's Sorry 7. But we care about the Phillies and this group who just can't get anything going. They're, I think it almost, it, it does seem like they're all trying too hard. And I believe them. I believe that they're frustrated. I believe that they're trying too hard. I believe that they're pressing. But you're not going to be able to have a manager be fired to wake you up. There's no culture change that needs to take place in the locker room. Rob Thompson's culture as we saw last year, is just fine. This is not Rob Thompson. And Dave Dombrowski put a talented team together. Did he maybe overestimate the fact that he doesn't have anybody who has good plate discipline on the team? Maybe. Maybe that could be a problem. But he put together a starting rotation that should be good. He put together an, an offense and a lineup that should be good. And the bullpen has largely been okay for the most part. This is on the players. This is on the players to figure it out, and they have the time to do it. I mean, we've been talking about it because of how lackluster the National League is right now. The Phillies are in fourth place in the National League East and still are just three and a half games behind the wildcard leader because there's no team in the National League that's more than five games out from the wildcard. Not the Nationals, not the Rockies, not the Cubs, the Cardinals, the Padres, the Phillies. I mean, it's... It's pretty annoying that the Reds are ahead of the Phillies in the standings right now by a game. It's pretty hard to take. It stinks seeing Pittsburgh still above them. It stinks seeing Miami still above them. San Francisco still above them. I'm sure Padres fans and Cardinals fans are feeling the same thing. But I don't care about them. I care about this team. This team that should be better. And I don't care if you're still just three and a half games out of a wild card. You're in fourth place in your division. We expected more. I expected more from this team. And do they owe me anything? No, they don't. But they are they are an incredibly difficult team to watch right now. And I watch because I do this so that you don't have to watch, so that you all can take a break if you want to. But this this just feels like the, the darkest parts of, of last year and during the 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021 runs when there was so much disappointment. I, I thought that team went away. I really did. I thought that group went away when the playoffs came around last year. And that's why I was so optimistic. That's why I felt so good and confident about this team heading into the season. I thought this group, these guys doing this kind of thing, I thought that went away. I really did. And it's disappointing. There is still time to turn it around. No one is throwing in the towel. I don't want anyone to hear this and think I'm giving up on the team because there is still plenty of time left in this season. As we mentioned, there's no team that's more than five games out of a wild card, and it sure seems like that's how the Phillies are going to have to get into the playoffs once again this year is through the wild card. That's fine. That's why they're there. It's not ideal. It's not optimal. But it is what it is. There's still four months to go. This team does still have Good, talented players. They've just got to play like it. And that sounds dumb. I wish there was better analysis for you. But these are guys with proven track records. And we've said it before. You can't send them down to AAA. There's just not a whole lot you can do other than hope that tomorrow 
brings a better day. That when they take the field, it's the first day of a nine-game winning streak. It's the first day of an extended summer of competent play. It's the first day of moving closer to yet another playoff spot. But lately we've been waking up hoping today was this was that day. And then we wake up and then at the end of the day, we're talking about a lackluster offensive performance in a four to one loss to the hated New York Mets. And that is just still a place that 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 this team does not know how to win in. And so the Phillies will try to salvage the final game of the series on Wednesday, which, you know, they've they've done it a couple of times this year. Did it against the Diamondbacks before they hit the road for this East uh, for this NL East trip. But they're those those moral victories, those those getaway day wins when you when you steal the last game. Yeah, it sticks in the crawl of the team that was trying to sweep you and you minimize the damage, but we're kind of past the point of moral victories and minimizing the damage. It's time for these guys to wake up. It's time to wake up. Well, because we do a Phillies podcast, we are kind of contractually obligated to talk about this baseball team that is frustrating us to no end right now. But uh, I've got a great first-time guest joining me here on the podcast. You may know him from WHYY's great podcast, Serum, uh, as part of WHYY's The Pulse. Grant Hill joining us on the podcast. And if you haven't caught Serum yet, it's addictive. Uh, once you start, you won't be able to stop listening until you've gotten all the way through it. Grant, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. How are you? I'm great. I'm great, John. It's it's such a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me on and for the kind words about Serum. Well, it's it's phenomenal. And I want to talk to you a little bit about it at the end of the podcast, because I know it came out last year and it's it's spellbinding. And it's hard for me, you know, we as someone who does this podcast to listen to a storyteller like yourself weave this story, this narrative around around this this doctor and all this other kind of stuff. We're not we may both be podcasting, Grant. We're not doing the same things. Like <laughs> what you're doing is on a whole other level. Like me and Justin and Liz, we're three idiots talking about a dumb baseball team with no structure really whatsoever, aside from a, a show sheet I throw together during the course of the day. And and I just can't the work that goes into putting something together like like you did. And, um, and and like folks like you do when you're doing that kind of a serial based storytelling podcast, just two totally different mediums of the same media. But it's it's really awesome. So I really want people to check it out. Thanks so much. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's as laborious as talking about this Phillies team, to be honest <laughs> with you, or at least just watching them, uh, because yeah. uh, it it is truly it has been a soul sucking experience. <laughs> and um, I, I really enjoyed uh, making Serum much more than I'm enjoying watching this, this Phillies team. Well, and as we are talking here, uh, it's, it's late Wednesday night. The Phillies have just dropped the second game of their three-game series against the Mets. Uh, I, it's, I'm having a hard time figuring out what is more depressing right now, watching Aaron Nola go out there and pitch every fifth day or watching this offense try to do its thing. And I, I think I've settled on it being the offense simply because this is still, even without Reese Hoskins, a lineup that's full of guys who are supposed to hit, who are supposed to hit home runs. And this is a team that doesn't ever walk. It doesn't ever hit home runs. It doesn't ever hit with runners in scoring position. It's it's the most frustrating and infuriating offense I can remember watching because there's so much talent in that lineup and they're just not doing like anything. No one's getting hot. No one's getting on a roll. It's 
It's so hard to watch right now. I I am just at a loss for words. I mean, I don't know. Again, I don't know how you podcast after watching games like this because what is there to say? I, <laughs> I, I just just looking at the faces of these players. I mean, there is no belief. I, I before watching this, the ending of this game, I almost I, I had an intuition that that. Um, they were going to get they were going to get at least two guys on base there was going to be at least one out because it presented the perfect opportunity for a a depressing double play to happen <laughs> just like i think the game uh last night ended with a double play mm-hmm. um uh of course that didn't happen it was almost even more depressing uh with with the effort that was put in uh by by Stott there i i i just i just don't even know what to say it's it's is it a lack of of encouragement? Is it something that's happening in the clubhouse? Is it is it just they got to wait for one guy to get hot and then everybody will kind of jump on that streak? I I don't even know. I I, I, yeah. I don't even know what a solution to a problem like this is. Um, the only I mean last year obviously uh, they found a solution. Um, is it going to come to that? I'm starting to wonder. I'm really starting to wonder what could um, spark uh, some sort of comeback. I don't think there's any way Rob Thompson gets fired in season. And I've seen that floated out there on some radio station, internet polls and all those kinds of things. I mean, you just, you don't fire a a manager who took you to the world series a couple months before. And I know that's not what you're saying necessarily here, but there's gotta be, and I, I was kind of articulating this a little bit on Twitter right before we started chatting there's got to be some kind of wake-up call. And I don't know what it is because these are the same guys, most of them, who were incredibly clutch in the 22 postseason. This is the bizarro 22 postseason Phillies. It, it, we are through the looking glass with this group. And I, I don't... I, they're too veteran to try and shake them up. You know, you can't do like they do in Bull Durham, have the hitting coach and the manager go into the showers and throw a bunch of bats on the shower and start yelling at players. It's not, that's not, that's not how this works. I don't think, I mean, I'm not in there, but I don't think it can work like that anymore. Yeah. I mean, I think they should just start selling uh, some sort of ticket package where you get put in a pool and after losses like this, you are allowed to uh, go into the clubhouse afterwards and just do a little bit of chair tossing or something (laughs) like that. Just to be like, hey, this guy has to be here. He's contractually obligated. We sold the tickets. So just let him just to see some sort of emotion. Yeah. Let him do his (laughs) thing. Like let him ride it out. Like just to kind of have, (laughs) I know they're frustrated. I know they're, I know they're not just like going up there taking hacks and not caring i i i know it's got to be taking an emotional toll on the team but um i'm i start to wonder whether they're they're confronted with the the water that we are all swimming in as fans of the phillies right now uh the anger (laughs) that that i i mean it's that's turning it slowly into apathy which i hate but i'm just going to start not watching the games because it's not worth uh it's 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 not worth (laughs) me getting as worked up about it as I am. Well, it's a two and a half hour, three hour commitment virtually every night. And yeah. when you do get, when, when a team is playing like this, you do need a break. You do need to, and that's kind of where, you know, this podcast steps in. Like if you want to take a break, great. We'll, we'll recap it for you and, and we'll let you know how awful it is. And everybody who is listening, who has decided, you know what? I need a siesta. I'm going to take a little time off 
Yeah. This is then you could just check in with us and, and we'll keep we'll, we'll we'll do that work for you. But I mean, at the end of the day, I'm thinking about the expectations that we all had for this team. I picked them to go to the World Series again. I mean, obviously, I, I, it was a lot of I wasn't the only one. I mean, this was a team that went to the World Series and a number of baseball insiders said this is the most improved team from the offseason. And so you have a World Series team that, yes, I get was like 15 wins shy of the Braves in the regular season. So that, that, that you know, that factors into it. But there's no way they should be playing as badly as they are. They're, they're only being saved by the fact that the National League has a lot of parity this year and that nobody's going to be out of it. Nobody's going to be out of it until July or August. So, I mean, they can kind of play around here like this and, and still not be in real trouble. But at the same time, I can't remember a team that I was as excited about getting off to this kind of start and playing this poorly. Like I'm thinking 87, like as a, as a guy who grew up on mid eighties baseball, mid mid eighties Phillies baseball that year, they got Lance Parrish in the off season. They came off a second place finish and everybody was excited and they just stunk the joint up coming out of 86, coming out of the gates in 87. This kind of feels like that kind of a season right now. Mm. You start to wonder whether, whether this group of guys, can only be motivated by some sort of cataclysmic event, like uh, like a firing of manager, like, uh, you know, uh, Bryce Harper going out uh, uh, for, you know, uh, however long he was out last season, uh, whatever, uh, how many months that was. Yeah. Um, as you mentioned, what is going to jolt them out of this funk? I, I start to wonder, d- does this Phillies team just operate on kind of this crisis mode uh, mentality where until it's too late, until we see some sort of tangible apocalyptic event happen uh, amongst our team or our, or, our, our, you know, managers, uh, we're just not going to kick it into gear. And um, I'm starting to worry that, you know, uh, that that is how this team operates. Uh, and I, you know, that's an unfortunate, if that's the case, that's, that's unfortunate. Who has been the most disappointing player this season so far for you? I hate to start off with a negative question like that, but that's just, if I were to sit here and ask you, well, who's had the best season so far? <laughs> you know, we're, we're, you're a storyteller. You know, I'm trying to tell it. It's a narrative thing. But, you know, there's a lot of guys that you can choose from and a lot of different reasons, and there's no wrong answer. But if is, do you have somebody in your gut that, you, that tells you, yeah, I'm probably the most disappointed in this guy? I think it's got to be Trey Turner. I mean... Out of the gate, he wasn't too bad. He was kind of the guy that you, it was a relief when he came up. You were like, oh, well, at least Trey Turner's coming up. At least, at the very least, he'll get a hit. He'll, we'll have some someone on base who can who can run, who's got the speed, and maybe he can create some action and, and, yeah. and, and generate a run just through his speed. But, you know, it, again, it just mirrors last year so, uh, uh, you know, too well with Castellanos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just all this hype for, Hey, we got a long deal. We have him for a while. Um, you know, I was trying to, I was thinking about buying a Jersey cause I was so excited. I, I haven't bought a, bought a Phillies <laughs> Jersey in so long. And I was like, should I get Turner? And, and now it's just like, I don't even know who to get, but I think for me, it's gotta be Trey Turner because he is just, he's not generating any production, anywhere i mean even in the field he hasn't been uh anything to write home about right uh and and it's just it's it's just been a major disappointment uh and i think that um if if he had come in and played as well as we know that he can play uh it would be it would be something for other players on the team to um to kind of hang on to and to use to fuel their own performance and 
uh, yeah, it's just, it's even his mom is booing him. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, you hope he can turn it around, but, uh, you know, I'm not sure. How, how's this for a stat uh, of the, of the nine players who were in the starting lineup for the Phillies last night, Trey Turner has the lowest OPS of anyone in the starting lineup at 651. The next closest guy is Edmundo Sosa at 702 and then JT, uh, uh Kyle Schwarber at 713. I mean, a 651 OPS. That's, you know, it's not Michael Martinez level, but I mean, we're we're not far off from that. It's and so, and, and again, what what is causing this? I don't know. I mean, with Castellanos, I mean, he's bounced back, of course, but you have to wonder what it is about playing for the Philadelphia Phillies. Like, is, it, is, it, is it really that hard to get yourself used to playing in Philadelphia? Like, because you saw it with Castellanos, even Harper struggled a little bit when he first got here. Like, is it really is it really that difficult to to acclimate yourself to the city of Philadelphia and playing for the Phillies? Like, what, what what's going on here? Uh, that, uh, yeah, I mean, it shouldn't be. Uh, you, when you when you are good, the, the Phillies fans love you like, you know, no other. I mean, when you're bad, you'll hear about it. But, you know, that's why you get paid so much. <laughs> that shouldn't yeah. offend you too much. Right. Um, so I, I don't know what is the common denominator of, of, you know, this experience with Turner this year and Cassianos' experience uh, last year. Uh, but whatever it is, uh, we need to identify it quickly. <laughs> yeah. Iron Ola got the start on Tuesday, gave up four runs in six innings, has a has an ERA of where was it? Four point seven oh now in, in twelve starts. So he has pitched every bit the line of a number four starter in right now so far this season. Do you want him back next year? Like I mean, I where where I mean let me rephrase it differently. What kind of an Aranola guy are you? Because there are there are many different kinds of Aranola guys out there. Where are you on him? Before this year, I was an optimistic Aaron Nola guy. I was like, yeah, he's an ace. I fell on that side. Um, but it seems like the trend in recent years has been, we got to wait for him to start up. We got to wait for him to have his first vintage Aaron Nola start. And it seems like as the years progress, this is just going off gut, no, st- no statistics uh, <laughs> at, at the moment to back this sure. up. But it seems like as the years pr- progress, uh, you know, acknowledging my recency bias here, um, that it's just getting longer and longer, that the wait is getting longer and longer to have a quality vintage Aaron Nola start, to have a start where you say, that's why we we call him our ace, or that's why he starts right. opening day every year. Um, at this point, I'm rooting for him, and, and I wanted him back. At the start of this year, I was disappointed that they couldn't get the deal done to, uh, to bring him back um, uh, for next year, at least. Yeah. Um, but now uh, I... Uh, my outlook has changed. I, 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 I don't see the value. I mean, if I think there was that rumor that um, they, the Phillies may have offered him a hundred million dollars or something like that. And he, he turned that down. I'm not sure if that, uh, if, if I'm getting that correct right now, but um, I'm glad that that did not go through at the moment because I don't think I can take much, much more of this um, waiting for Aaron Nola to, start his season the way we know that he can play i think there there are just too many players on this team that seem to be okay with not being productive for the first two months of a season and and i don't mean that to say like you know they're okay with not playing badly they obviously are taking the losses hard i i I get a lot of that on on 
Twitter, and I'm sure you see that a lot too, is like, oh, these guys don't care. That's not at all the case. They do care. They care a lot. They may be caring too much. They may be pressing now. I mean, at a certain point when you get off to a slow start, and I'm sure this is part of what Trey Turner is going through. This is almost certainly what Nick Castellanos went through last year. When you get that big deal and you put more pressure on yourself, when you get off to a slow start, when the team's off to a slow start, and when that that hitting with runners in scoring position number continues to build and build and build, and you realize, I got to come through. I got to come through. If I don't come through here, it's not going to happen. You're just putting so much pressure on yourselves. And it's it's funny to think that there are professionals who still go through those same emotions that you basically have to try and coach out of a child in Little League. <laughs> yeah, and but you know what? That just makes me think is there are 29 other baseball teams that are going through the same thing. And it's yeah. like, I... Uh, I get tired of hearing excuses for why we aren't good enough or we aren't at least appearing to really care. I mean, those final innings, we were down by three. I mean, of this game that we just watched. Yeah, the one on Tuesday night, Wednesday night, yeah. We were down by three, and it's like – uh, you already know just by watching them that that is too much to overcome. We we are not gonna we are not gonna come back. And uh, you wonder where that mentality comes from, and uh, or where that feeling comes from, and uh, if there's a way to um, to uh, I don't know uh, fix it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not well, sure. last last year, and if you were listening to the podcast at all last year, you heard me talk about this team having big loser energy, and yeah. they did the entire season. Until the playoffs, like it just like they wiped it away. I mean, and had like ultimate winner energy. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> they just flipped the switch. I don't I mean, I still can't. And I thought, OK, they got that monkey off their back of having failed to make the postseason for a decade. They lifted that off of their shoulders. They figured something out in the playoffs. And yeah, they they lost those last three games to the Astros, but they figured something out about themselves. They, they, and the vibes, remember the vibes in spring training, how good the vibes were. I mean, we were just rolling around in the muddy vibes of that (laughs) team, you know, like, like pigs in in Clearwater. And I don't know, somewhere between Clearwater and maybe it was the Reese Hoskins injury kind of put a, a black cloud over things, but maybe it was just the way they lost on opening day kind of shook people up, but, but they, they've never recovered. They've just never recovered from that. And, and the vibes, the vibes are as bad now as they were probably at their lowest points last year, where, where I'm starting to think big loser energy again. And maybe it's a thing where you don't shake big loser energy forever. Maybe you have it, you can lose it for a while and then you can reacquire it. Maybe that's what, maybe that's what this is. They've definitely reacquired it. That's for sure. Uh, it's, it's, um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think that first opening day was a, just a terrible omen. I mean, it, it really felt like, oh, like this is the Phillies team. I, I actually remember best, not the team from the playoffs. Like the, I expect this is what I expect on opening day, like to yeah. get to a five, nothing lead to bl- have Aaron Nola below it. And our bats just completely go quiet and there's no fight. And it was like, wow. Okay. We're right. <laughs> we're right back in. It's like October never happened. And yeah. it, I've had that feeling since that day where it's like, every time you think they're going to turn a corner, there've been so many, um, uh, uh, possible reversals of fortune throughout this mm-hmm. whole season where it's like, this is where they're going to turn the corner. They're Trey Turner. The, the most recent one is the Trey Turner, uh, uh, ninth inning tie in home run, uh, yeah. game tie in home run. 
where it's like, okay, well, it's not only going to get Trey Turner out of his funk, but it's going to lift this whole team. It's going to bring back right. the that winter energy that we all remember fondly from October. But right. it's just, it's there is nothing there. Every time, uh, every time they pull the curtain, it's uh, it's the goat or whatever it is from that yeah. game show. Uh, yeah. It, it, yeah, I, I, I oof, man, it's just so hauntingly disappointing. Yeah, it's it's almost like they're trying to climb a ladder made out of dry spaghetti, and every time yeah. they get a foothold, it just snaps on them, and and they just fall down a couple of rungs, and they got to start all over again. A um, couple more things. Uh, so, in terms of laying, well, let me ask you. Let let's change things up. Let let me do ask you the a positive question, just so that this isn't you know the negadelphia segment of the podcast or whatever. Sure. So. It's not all doom and gloom. There are some guys who are doing some good things on this team. In your eyes, who has been the most pleasant surprise or who has who has been a pleasure to watch on the Phillies so far this year? You know, I think, uh, and again, like this, it, this has come to an end, obviously, but Christian Pache was just a, a guy I was rooting for. I mean, I, every yeah. time he came up in the lineup, I was like, why is he in the lineup right now? I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, but then he would, you know, he started to, to surprise me. And, and I started to think, Hey, like maybe we should take some of the money that we're spending on, on our, our, our big number players and give it to Kevin Long and just get like, like uh wash, <laughs> you know, formally washed players and just invest in Kevin Long and in him turning their careers around, because that was such a fun thing to watch for those few games. And then boom, uh, you know, he's out for, for a few months. Uh, currently, it, it is hard to it is hard to th- uh, think of someone who is a pleasure to watch on this team. <laughs> right. um, I guess you know it's been fun. I don't know if that's the right word for it to hear to see Cody Clemens have some big moments or, or yeah. come, you know get a few hits and hey, and listen, but ch- he's been their most consistent hitter. Yeah, for weeks now, which hearing those words come out of your mouth. If I, if I heard those words when I was listening to the podcast last year, that, uh, you know, in, uh, at the end of October, that our most consistent hitter would be Cody Clemens at the end of May. Uh, it, that is depressing in its own right. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that it's been nice to kind of him have an, an opportunity to show, you know, who he is and, Mm -hmm. and, and to come up in some big moments. So that's been, yeah, that's been kind of nice. Yeah, nice move by Dombrowski there to, to to get him. He's actually been a really good player for them this year. And I think Harper's numbers look good, but we have yet to see Bryce really go on that, you know, a, a kill-crazy rampage like we know that he can do and really carry the team like you need the superstar to do. He can't do it all himself. We saw a couple years ago when he won the MVP and they, he couldn't get him across the finish line. It can't all be on Bryce Harper's shoulders. But um, there's really just, just, you know, but Brandon Marsh was hot, really hot early, but has kind of cooled off, although his numbers, again, still look really good. So... Uh, and, and in the bullpen, I think, you know, Craig Kimbrell has been a nice story this year. Um, yeah. the way that he's come on, I think that's been, that's been pretty nice. And, um, you know, I think, uh, Zach Wheeler, his last start was encouraging. Um, he's largely been pretty good. The numbers have kind of belied how good he's been, but again, he hasn't been his usual great self. So just, there are a lot of guys that you are paying to kind of take over. And they're just yeah. not doing that. And and you wonder if it's going to happen this year. Maybe this is just kind of a letdown season after the World Series, and and, and that's kind of how you have to chalk it up. And, and with that in mind, let me ask you the last uh, Phillies question here. 
right now, and this may be a terrible time to ask you this question, but on the last day of May, the Phillies are five games under 500. Do they make the playoffs? What's your, what's your, what's your prediction right now? Right now, I have to say no, but mm. given, I but I, I don't want to. I don't want to believe that. If they do, it will be the exact same scenario that happened last year, where they just find a way. They stumble, they stumble mm-hmm. into the open door, and they barely squeak in, and they make the playoffs. And then maybe that's all they need. Again, like maybe that's all they need to do. Maybe they don't need to win the division. Uh, and, and obviously that that wasn't the case last year and they ended up going to the world series. So if that's the case, then fine. But I know it's been kind of a, a lot of, there have been a lot of middling teams in the national league this year. And, and so a lot of, there's still, there's still an open door there for them to make it, but Mm -hmm. there will have to be some drastic, there's going to have to be a huge uh, June Schwarber uh, or or, uh, moment uh, month. that's going to have to extend into July. And then he's some other some other players are going to have to have that rub off on them be, for that to happen because right yeah. now it's just it's not looking good. Yeah, if you're going to hit 165 in the first two months of the season, you you better have more than just one good month in in your in your <laughs> in your arsenal here uh, the rest of the way. Real quick before I let you go, tell people about Serum. Um, just real real quick, what's the what's the the, the plot behind this thing? Um, because I really do want people to check it out. It's fantastic. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Um, yeah. So uh, in 2019, I. I got into a, a lift and uh, and I was an intern at WHYY and uh, the lift driver asked me what I did. I told him I was a journalist and kind of left out the internship part. And he um, he told me about this story about how uh, for years he was an assistant to a doctor, a black physician, Ivy League trained from Tulsa, Oklahoma, who uh, discovered a cure for AIDS. Um, and obviously at that point, I was uh, pretty, very much skeptical. And, um, but you know, uh, there were some other things that this, this Lyft driver told me that um, about this story that ended up being you know, verifiable. So I got pretty obsessed with figuring out who this doctor uh, was, um, what, you know, who the people that he allegedly, you know, uh, uh, cured, who, what their stories were and, um, figuring out what happened to this alleged cure all these years later. Uh, and so it kind of took me on this wild ride, uh, uh, meeting very, uh, interesting characters for sports fans. Um, uh, there are, there's an appearance from John Sally, who's an NPA player, uh, I don't know why he talked to me, but he did. Um, and so, um, <laughs> so yeah, it just kind of took me on this wild ride. Uh, and uh, it was a very interesting moment in my life. And uh, I hope that uh, I hope that others uh, enjoy listening to it. It's a great podcast and you can get it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever it is you can get this podcast. You can find Serum from, from WHYY. Uh, and Grant, how do people find you on social media if uh, if you want them to do that? And I <laughs> could totally understand if you would rather them not. <laughs> yeah, no, you, uh, I'm on Twitter uh, at Grant underscore M underscore Hill. Uh, that's, that's probably, I don't tweet a lot, but I do, I do lurk on that platform quite often. All right. Well, that's a good place as any to do it. Well, listen, folks, make sure you're checking out all of Grant's stuff at, uh, at WHYY as well, especially Serum. Make sure you, uh, 
follow that show and, and listen to it and uh, and let me know what you think if you think it's as good as I think it is because I think it's pretty awesome. Grant, thank you so much for coming on Hitting Season and for being a fan. And for those, just to lift the curtain a little bit, Grant's the one who really kind of got us hooked up with WHYY. So we owe Grant a little bit of a debt of gratitude uh, for that. So uh, uh, Hitting Season podcast, pals, I'll raise one up for, for Grant if you get a second, all right? Thanks so much, John. Thanks for having me on. This has been an this has been an absolute pleasure, and I, I really appreciate it. All right. Well, we'll definitely uh, have Grant back on again uh, in the near future. All right. Let's finish up the podcast with a stat of the week. It's not going to be a happy one, uh, but when you first hear this, it almost kind of sounds like a good tweet for the Phillies, a complimentary tweet for one of their players. This from ESPN Stats and Information. Kyle Schwarber recorded. 10 hits in the month of May. Hear, hear, hear that again. Oh, my gosh. Kyle Schwarber had 10 hits in an entire calendar month of May, and he played every day, okay? Seven of those 10 hits in May were home runs. He becomes the seventh player in Major League history and the first since Cody freaking Ross in 2008 to have 70% or more of their hits coming via a home run in a calendar month with a minimum of 10 hits. Seven of his 10 hits in May were home runs. Seven home runs is fine. It's the other 100 at-bats <laughs> that resulted in no hits or three hits other than that? Like, what it's just so frustrating, and it happens every year. It takes the first two months off. I'm just, I, I really, th I think I've just reached my frustration point here, kids. I really thought it was going to be different this year, and these guys are doing the same thing that they did last year, and we're all hoping they can pull out of it, that they can pull up and not hit the mountain, but we'll see how it goes here. They got one more game to play against the Mets as we are recording this, and then they head to the nation's capital, my neck of the woods, for a three-game series against a Washington Nationals team that's only a game and a half behind them in the standings after Wednesday's action and is playing some actually some pretty decent baseball uh, for a team that is as devoid of talent as they are. So it will not be a, a walk in the park for the Phillies uh, at Nats Park this weekend. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Hit and Season. My thanks once again to Grant Hill for coming on the podcast. Want to remind you all to check out all of the great podcasts that WHYY has to offer. You can just go to your Apple Podcast, Spotify, type in WHYY in the search bar. There's lots of great stuff there. Uh, you can also tell your friends about this here Phillies podcast. If they don't want to watch the games but still kind of want to keep up to date on what's going on, they can just check in with us three times a week by going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is they get their podcasts. And hey, if these three podcasts a week aren't enough Phillies podcasts for you, you can go over to our Hit and Season Patreon and check out a more, a more fun podcast in The Dirty Inning, which we take a look at the worst moments, the worst innings in Phillies history and take a deep dive into those. Uh, we also have the great show uh, Absolutely Hammered with Justin and Chris Jones. Uh, those are both, again, at our Hit and Season Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash hit and season to check all that stuff out. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time right here on Hit and Season. Hit and Season.